as organizations grow, they start to hire a bunch of people, or maybe they have volunteers coming on, or maybe they have some people that are contractors. Maybe they have some people that are actually part-time or full-time employees. And what happens is people start in nonprofits start taking on a whole bunch of different roles. And this happens because we don't have enough budget off the bat to hire dedicated roles. So we find somebody that's good and we're like, oh, yeah, you can help with our newsletter. Oh, could you help with this event? Could you help with fundraising? And now a lot of people do a lot of different jobs. There's not a whole bunch of clarity. And as we grow, there can be some friction because of this. And if you find yourself in a position where you're leading a team or you're, you're in leadership in a nonprofit and you are kind of confused to what everybody does, or you know there's culture issues, often it can stem from a lack of clarity. People are not 100% sure what their role is. And rather than coming in and saying, this is your role, I wanna give you a tool today that can help you ask them what they think they're good at, what they like doing, how they see themselves in the organization. And then you guys can have this conversation to work towards mutual goals, mutual things that you see that they bring real value to the organization and they like doing so that they start feeling more purposeful. They start feeling like, yes, I want to be here. Your culture starts to improve and you can start making that plan to get people in the right seats on the bus so that everybody feels like they're working in a well-oiled machine and that they're being contributive and not that they're taking on a whole bunch of things that they never asked to do and that is always expected of them and we wanna take more and more and more and more, right? Because we are a nonprofit leader and we take what we can get, okay? But at some point, especially if the culture is off or if you're a leader that's not 100% sure that everybody's in the right seats on the bus or you're not even sure of what their role is, I want you to take this tool, a skills and interest assessment, and I want you to implement it with your team. So today we're gonna dive into it. I'm gonna give you the skills and interest assessment and uh, I'll walk you through exactly how to use it with your team. Let's talk about it. Welcome to episode 50 of Four Purpose Live, where I help you get clear, get focused, and be impactful by showing up and stepping fully into the calling that you've been given without taking on that common narrative that nonprofits have to struggle. That's right. Together, we can get you in your sweet spot using your strengths and talents to serve this world and build a movement for your cause simply by living for purpose, on purpose. Today, I'm your host, Rebecca Britt, and we are talking about... A strengths and interest assessment, which is so important. It's you're going to take one too, because we just talked about getting you in your sweet spot so that you can show up fully to the calling that you've been given. So I want you to go download this so that we can walk through it and that you can use it with your team. You can get it at forpurposelive.com skills, download it. It is a PDF that you can give to your team, have them fill out. And we're going to walk through that now. Okay. So hopefully you've grabbed it. And let's walk through it. So the reason why this skills and interest assessment is so powerful is as leaders, we think that we need to have all the answers. We need to uh, decide where people go or how they serve our organization. And really how we wanna be in an organization with our volunteers, with our board, with our staff, with those we serve is we want to be inclusive of their opinion and understand their point of view so that we can make sure that we're on the same page, right? So anytime you're wondering like, oh, I'm having this issue with this employee or this issue with this volunteer, and you're like, 
What am I gonna do about it? A conversation is usually the answer. Start with a conversation. Hey, seems like we're not in the same place on this. I was wondering what your thoughts were on this. Where do you see yourself, okay? So that you're not trying to come up with everything in a vacuum and everybody also knows where you stand. One thing that really hurts culture is when we don't know where our leaders stand. We don't know what our leaders are thinking. We don't know how we stand or how they value us, okay? so. Having these conversations and having them regularly is important. Now, let's say you have contractors, you have volunteers, you have staff, and there's some culture issues, and you're just trying to figure out where should everybody be. Maybe you want to restructure your org and actually make some clear job descriptions and put people in specific places. Don't do this alone, okay? So sit with each person and tell them exactly where you're at. Hey, we're doing this because I think there are some culture issues. Hey, I wanna make sure that I'm honoring you and what you wanna do here and how you want to contribute to this organization. So this is why we're having this conversation. I wanna get to know you more and I wanna get to know your vision and you've been such a valuable asset to us that I really wanna give you the opportunity to give your own feedback in, in um, where you see yourself. Okay, so. In this skills and interest assessment, uh, the first question that staff is going to answer is, what are you good at? So I want staff or volunteers or whoever is taking this assessment to write down what they think they're good at. So what this is what comes easy to them. Like what are people come up to you and say like, gosh, you're so good at this. Or hey, can you train the other person how to do this because you're so good at it. What do other people compliment you on? Are you good at working with people, at working with things, are working on the processes, on ideas? Are you more good at like administrative stuff? Are you more good at going and speaking on the org's behalf, being a face for the organization? Like what are you just good at? Okay, and have them write this down. The next section is what do you love doing? So just because you're good at something, like there's a lot of things I'm good at that I hate doing, okay? And this happens all the time in workplaces, right? Like my husband uh, is a teacher and he uh, has students, he's a disciplinarian, and so he never sends behavior issues down to the office. So he's good at managing a classroom. He's good at managing behavior issues. What does that mean? Oh, well that means that the school is gonna give him every behavior issue kid, right? And then he almost gets punished for being good at this thing. So just because you're good at something doesn't mean, okay, that's where they're gonna go. Okay, so you may take this employee and say, okay, we know that you're really good at having discipline in your classroom and um, managing some of the kids with behavioral issues but we don't wanna inundate you, so how do you think this is going? You know, How can we use you best? How can we use you for what you're good at without burning you out? We do see this as a huge value, but we don't want to um, basically punish you for it, okay? So that's just an example of like, just because an employee's good at something doesn't mean that they love doing it. So don't get those twisted. So then have them write down, what do you love doing? So this is what makes you feel fulfilled. Um, what do you lose time doing like when you're in it you lose time doing it you could build the website all day you could host trainings all day you could uh, walk the dogs and care for the animals all day like what are the things that like if you could just do that one thing you'd be in heaven 
what in your schedule fires you up? You like, you can't believe you're getting paid to do this. Or if they're volunteer roles, like what keeps you coming back as a volunteer? Then you're going to move into what do you have to do, but you hate doing. So this is, you have the skills. It falls in your job description, but you don't like it. So like in my husband's situation, this could be like, I hate dealing with behavioral issues. I'm good at it. It's in my job description, but I don't like it. Okay. So whatever it is that you have to do. So maybe let's say that you are the marketing person and you hate Twitter. Like you wish that you could delete Twitter forever, but you are fine with doing the website. Okay. So that's one example of like, it falls in my job description. I have the skills to do it, but I hate doing it. The next thing is what should you not be doing? You're not qualified. You don't have the skills or it's not in your job description. So maybe you came on as the marketing person and you are running social media, you're doing the website. And then lately they have also had you been doing the accounting or the books or, um, fundraising. And you're like, listen, I came here to do social media or to do marketing. And this thing that you guys have me doing, I don't like doing it. And honestly, I shouldn't be doing it. I'm not a fundraiser. I don't care to be a fundraiser. It's not in my job description. And then finally, where do you see yourself? So what job would you like to have? Um, and, but you need training to get there. So maybe they see themselves as being a program director one day. Maybe they see themselves as, um, having leadership position within the nonprofit. Maybe they have come in and they want to, you know, they help care for the animals, but they want to train the animals or they want to adopt them out or something like there's some level of growth that they want, but they understand that they're not there yet or they don't have the background for that. They need additional training for that. So this is really important for you as a leader to understand where people see themselves and where they're headed. So once you have all of this information, what are you good at? What do you love doing? What do you have to do but hate doing? What should you not be doing? What you want to do is try your darndest as a leader to take out the things that they have to do but hate doing. Or if there's something that they totally have to do, like, sorry, I hate doing it too, but it's just part of your job. How can we give them the tools, the resources, the systems, the processes to help that be taken off their plate? So maybe it's like this manual process of writing thank you notes that they just hate and it takes up their time and they know that we have to be giving thank you notes to donors, but they just hate doing it. Maybe you can look into or have them look into an automations process where uh, thank you notes are just automatically generated online every time a donation is made, sent out um, in a customized fashion. We talk about that in an automations episode of how to, how to set that up. And then you could maybe take that off their plate. Imagine if your leader came to you and said, Hey, what's something that you have to do, but you hate doing, you tell them and they go, cool, we're going to figure out how to get that off your plate And it. They do it. Now I'm not saying you need to take everything that somebody doesn't like doing off their plate, but the more things you can take off of somebody's plate that they don't like doing, the more they're going to have space for the things that they love doing and they're going to show up in a much more positive way. They're not going to have toxic uh, energy about doing things because you have at least seen them, you've heard them and you have responded to them. And to that point, 
The worst thing you can do is have them sit down and fill out the skills and interests, talk about it, and then not do anything. The response you need to have at this is you need to have a conversation with them about the what are you good at. Do you agree? Like maybe they're like, I am so good at social, and they're, they're not. They're not that good at social media. So I think that if you fill one of these out for each employee as well, you take it and you fill out what you think they're good at, what you think they love doing, what you think that they have to do but hate doing, what they think they shouldn't be doing that you acknowledge they shouldn't be doing, and where you think they you see them in the organization. You fill it out. They fill theirs out. And then when you come to your one-on-one -on -one meeting to discuss it, see how close you are. And if you're not close at all, be like, wow, I'm so glad we did this. I obviously was just off the mark. And I'm so glad I'm getting to know you better. So now that we have some congruence, you've talked about it and you've kind of discussed a plan from it, you want to put them in roles that they love doing as much as possible. You want to remove things that they hate doing. And again, not on you. If you're saying, listen, I hear that you have to do this, but you hate doing it, how can we get that off your plate? Can you make a plan? Maybe you're just open to them saying, maybe they've been saying, we need to automate our thank you cards so I don't need to write them for the last year. And you've said like, I don't really know how to do that. No, 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 they need to be handwritten. Uh, they have to come exactly from us. And it, maybe you need to just like switch up your thinking because the truth is, is what you're gonna lose from having that be automated and having it look handwritten, but it's actually generated through an online system versus somebody that is writing these things that hates doing it, you will gain so much more by making that an automated process. So whatever is limiting you from making things easier for your staff or not heeding their suggestions, I want you to start to try to be a little bit more open-minded to see like, all right, you know what, let's try that. Let's try it for a year, let's try it for six months, and let's see if um, you know the quality is, how I like it, and all of that. Make them make the plan. This allows them buy-in. And I'll tell you this, if you're like, hey, you go make the plan of how we're taking the things off your plate that you hate, they might start to look at it and go like, holy smokes, to take this thing off my plate, it would cost like the organization $20,000, and it would be, they have great software out there for it, but it's a lot of work, it's a lot of money then they might understand your reasoning better. They might go, you know, now I empathize with the with the leadership because it is just easier at, at the scale that we are at to just do it manually and it makes sense for me to do it. Okay, so engage them in some of that decision making and some of that research and development so that they can understand like these decisions aren't easy for us, okay? Then I wanna talk about what you should not be doing so if you have somebody doing something that they should not be doing, they're not qualified, they don't necessarily have the skill set, it's not in their job description, but they've just taken it on, you need to get a plan to get somebody doing that thing that should be doing it. Whether it's you taking it back on, you reclaiming it, you finding somebody, make an active plan. And this happens all the time. We find somebody that's good enough. This happens a lot with organizations that like, let's say it's an organization about a disorder, okay? And all the people in the, in the organization have all experienced this disorder, but none of them have 
actual experience like in social media, in marketing, in uh, business, in um, making relationships with hospitals, in strategic planning, okay? So it's just a bunch of survivors, right? That get together and they're all, they may lack business acumen or the skills that you need. And so you need to really think about how do we not just give positions to survivors or those who are affected, but how do we make room for people to support our mission that maybe don't have a personal experience? Um, so that the people that have a personal experience and that are super duper passionate and can be things like the face of the organization or, or can have other roles so that they can be in roles that they feel like they're good at them and they love doing them, they feel valuable and they don't feel completely overwhelmed by like, I did have this condition, I really wanna help this cause, but I don't know how to run this nonprofit. Okay, so you really do want to open yourself up. I know there's a lot of organizations that say like, all of us have had a personal experience with this and for some reason they think that that's like compelling to donors, but what's compelling to donors is we will move the mission forward. We have all the right people on the team to do so. We have sought out the skills um, necessary to execute our mission and be accountable to our the dollars you give us. Donors don't care that every person had a personal experience. That doesn't mean that you're gonna get your mission done. In fact, it could take away from your mission, right? If everybody had such a personal experience that they're kind of being driven by that. The where do you see yourself? You want to commit to some level of training or something that's gonna get them there. But you also wanna be honest. So let's say they're like, I wanna be in a leadership position and your budget's so small and you just don't know when you're gonna be able to give that. You can say like, I totally understand that. What I want to caution you from doing is promising something that you may not be able to give. And I've done this in the past where I've told my volunteers, listen, I can't wait to hire you full time. I can't wait to hire you full time. And it was true, but it wasn't realistic that I was going to hire them full time. And I painted a picture that ended up making them feel resentful in a year when they hadn't gotten a position. So if somebody is in a, in, in a volunteer role and you're saying like, as soon as we get the money, we're gonna hire you, and you're kind of dragging them along with that, that carrot, I would rather you just say, this is a volunteer position. It's a volunteer position, or it gets paid this, or it's only a couple hours a week and whatever it is, than constantly making somebody feel like they're working towards something that you're not gonna be able to give them because that's the reason they're in it. They're in it because you're promising them something and you really want them to be in it for the work that they're doing. And if they don't wanna be in it at a volunteer level and they don't wanna be in it for what it is, get somebody that does wanna be in it for what it is, not what it's going to be. Now, with that said, you do wanna honor people as they do well, you need to give them opportunities to lead things. Maybe you have had somebody that has helped you with your volunteer training every single Saturday um, for the last year and there's just an opportunity for you to step back and say could you lead this session and then they could start being maybe a volunteer lead um, rather than just helping you and you could step back and then as they become even better and better at that they can start running those you don't even need to be there maybe they get another volunteer that's their kind of assistant to run those so anywhere where you think you can step back 
and you can have the conversation like, would you like to start leading these? Um, how can we help you get there? How much more training do you think you need? Would you like more one-on-one -on -one time with me? How can we get you to a place where you're leading it and you're feeling good about it? So wherever they see themselves, if there is an opportunity for them to grow into that, you need to give them that. People want to feel like they have some trajectory with you um, and that there is some uh, level of pro progression of their role in an organization, right? If somebody comes in and they are at the bottom level of volunteerism and there is no clear pathway for them to get higher up in volunteerism or even as a staff member, there's no clear pathway for them to move up or there's no discussion of it or to take on things that they feel passionate about or that could give them a new skill set. Because let me tell you, we, you, you may not be able to pay somebody a lot, but what you can do is give somebody basically an internship. So if people are wanting to learn how to do higher levels of roles, then that is something you can give. You're like, hey, do you wanna learn how to do this? Do you wanna learn how to do our, our website, how to do more social media? I could give you some time and we could research it, we could make a plan out together and then you can add that to your skill set when you are searching for jobs outside of our organization or, or whatever. So it's an organization that you can give them opportunity to learn things and that's one way we give back to our team. So I want you to use this. I would love you to fill it out for yourself too. So if you're in a leadership role, you're the executive director, what are you good at? What do you love doing? What do you have to do but you hate doing? What should you not be doing as the executive director? Maybe you should be having volunteers doing more things or there's things that you just don't need to be doing because they don't require executive director level skill set. And where do you see yourself in the organization? Do you see yourself completely having a staff under you and, and removing yourself from all of these smaller tasks, do it so that you can get aligned on where you see yourself as well. And then that helps you understand what people do I need on the bus to support me and where I see myself going as a leader. Really what this comes down to is a conversation. You're getting to know your staff and volunteers. They are, you're making them feel seen and feel heard. And then use this, take this out at every one-on-one -on -one or every quarterly meeting you have with this person and say, how are we doing at getting you out of the things that you hate doing? How are we doing on you figuring out how you're gonna stop doing this thing? Where are we at on setting up that system and process that's gonna take this thing off your plate? How are you feeling about the training that you've been doing to get you in a higher position? Okay, because again, the worst thing you can do is have these conversations and have it go nowhere or say, oh, okay, we'll give you some training so that you can learn social media and they take a training, but then you never hand over social media to them or, or something like that. Um, so you really need to follow through on whatever plan comes out of these. But guys, managing a team is literally ensuring that they know what you expect of them you understand how they feel about that, okay? So if you're not clear on what you expect and you're not clear on how you think they're doing, they won't know and people assume the worst when they don't know. If you are super clear on this is your job and this is how I feel about it and you're never asking them, so how does that work for you? Where do you see yourself? What makes you feel good? If you're never asking those questions, then you don't have a relationship. And when you don't have a relationship, you don't have culture, okay? 
Now, let's say you're like busy and you know that you might not follow through and you're worried about that. Tell them to remind you of this plan. Say, the last thing I want to happen is us to go through this and not nothing come out of it. So I want you to remind me about this and where you feel like you are in our organization and how we're doing at uh, fostering your ability to feel valuable here. Um, they should not have to. They should not have to remind you about their plan, but it's okay to put things on staff, okay? It's okay to say, listen, I'm, I'm managing a lot here. I wanna do better, I wanna be better, I need your help. And you can also have discussions about, do you feel comfortable coming to me with that? Do you feel comfortable holding me to that? And then even having more conversations about your communication style with them, okay? Because they definitely need to feel safe in discussing what is lacking in the organization, what's lacking in communication, what's lacking in culture. And then you can take all of your people that you've done this with and have a big group discussion about like, how was that process for you guys? Do, should we do this more often? Should we do this when new people come in? How should we use this? And, and allow people to have group discussions so that the whole team can feel like it's not just about their role and their development and their relationship with you, but it's about their role and their development and relationship with the team. All right, make sure you go and grab this. This is at forpurposelive.com skills. You can grab this. Make sure you're taking it. If you are a team of one and you have nobody to do this with or build culture with, this is a great starting point for you to get clear on what you're good at, what you love doing so that you remain jazzed up about your mission and you understand what you need other people to do when you do start recruiting team members, all right? Again, forpurposelive.com slash skills. Please like, subscribe, comment. If there's anybody that you think needs to hear this, share it with them. Comment below, anything helps the algorithm. Thank you so much, guys, for your service to this world. Until next time.